Well, hey there, Lantris listeners and Lantris viewers, and welcome to today's episode of Learning to Land. We're shaking things up a bit and offering this episode as both a podcast and video. So if you'd like to see some fun maps, pictures, and footage, feel free to hop over to our YouTube channel and check out the visuals that go with today's discussion. As you already know, I am your host, Lord Anel Schickman, Development and Communications Director for the Land Trust of Santa Cruz County. Today, we're focusing in on the Land Trust Initiative to protect biodiversity throughout Santa Cruz County, and specifically, its endangered wildlife protection work. Now, this is not a new focus area for the Land Trust, as you all well know. Uh, we've shared a lot about the Land Trust's recently completed wildlife crossing under Highway 17, uh, as well as our work to create a second crossing over uh, Highway 101 to connect long-ranging species like the Santa Cruz Mountain Lion to the Gabalon Range in the south. But did you know there's a third wildlife crossing in the works to provide safe passage under Highway 1 for one of Santa Cruz County's most critically endangered species? No? Well, here to speak with us about this is Brendan Quirk, our land protection manager here at the Land Trust, and one of the leading forces behind our work to protect the habitat and create safe passage for the Santa Cruz long-toed salamander. Brendan, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Hey, Laura. Thanks for bringing me on. Super excited to talk to you about this. Before we dive into the how of the Land Trust salamander protection work, I'd love to have you tell us a bit more about this incredible creature and why the Santa Cruz long-toed salamander has become such a priority for the Land Trust. Sure. Uh, Let's go back to 1954. Uh, The Santa Cruz long-toed salamander was identified on December 2nd, 1954 in a pond at Valencia Lagoon, the present-day location of the Highway 1 Rio del Mar exit. Within a year of that discovery, the breeding pond they were discovered in was partially filled for the expansion of Highway 1. And in 1969, the pond was completely destroyed during another highway expansion. During that period, herpetologists, or people that study amphibians, identified the extremely limited range of the species and made recommendations for its protection and conservation of its habitat, which resulted in the species listing as endangered under the Endangered Species and Preservation Act of 1967 and the California Endangered Species Act in 1971. The first species recovery plan for the species, uh, which describes measures for protection and restoration, which would benefit the species, was developed and adopted in 1977. And that recovery plan's explicit goal is to recover the species to the point of the service and the state being able to remove the species from the endangered species list. That plan has gone through several revisions, uh, the most recent being adopted in 1999. So that is an overview of the critical beginnings of this species uh, conservation effort. So has the Land Trust always been interested in the Santa Cruz long-toed salamander? This is a fairly new project for us. We have been involved in a working group, which has been helping to identify conservation priorities for the species over the last 15 years. Uh, but we are really starting to get behind the wheel uh, in the conservation effort using the toolkit that we work with best, which is buying land. Uh, But I like to think that our project, the Land Trust Land Conservation Project that we're embarking on right now, begins with the development of what are called conceptual area protection plans. So these plans identify individual parcels, assessor parcels, within an area and organize them in order of priority for acquisition. 
So these parcel lists help guide acquisition strategy and are used as references when bringing projects to the state or federal government for funding. We have a CAP, that, that's C-A-P-P, Conceptual Area Protection Plan, that helps guide the acquisitions for the Freedom, Larkin Valley, and Valencia Seascape Metapopulation Area. Um, and there's another two CAPs that guide conservation around Watsonville and in Monterey County. So that's kind of the beginning of our, we were involved in helping produce an update to our CAP recently. And in spring 2022, the Land Trust collaborated with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and the California Department of Fish and Wildlife on a $3.7 million grant proposal for a Section 6 funding to protect Santa Cruz long-toed salamander. Section 6, for those who don't know, <laughs> of the Endangered Species Act provides funding for states for the acquisition of threatened and endangered species habitat in support of species recovery plans. So the project funded by our grant consists of conserving multiple privately owned parcels that contain oak woodland and Santa Cruz long-toed salamander habitat in either fee purchase or conservation easements. The land trust would hold title to these properties and manage them to sustain Santa Cruz long-toed salamander habitat into the future. Um, in December, we were awarded the grant, yay, which when paired with an expected $1.3 million match from the Wildlife Conservation Board of California, brings our Santa Cruz long-toed salamander acquisition fund to $5 million that can be spent over the course of the next three years. That's a lot of potential for conservation projects. Awesome. And, you know, this segues into our next question, which is, uh, where are these little critters found? I mean, we've talked about our local, more long-ranging species, uh, like the Santa Cruz mountain lion, but I'm guessing these guys don't have the same kind of range um, as a puma. Uh, can you share a bit more about what their range is and where their habitats are found? Sure. So their range, as you assumed, is fairly short. They are pretty small little creatures, maybe just long as long as the palm of your hand. Um, it's proposed that their longest range is about a mile, maybe a little over a mile from their breeding pond. Wow. And they live uh, approximately 95% of their lifespan in the duff in the oak woodland surrounding their breeding pond. Uh, so that's the extent of an individual. The extent of the species range in, in its entirety is approximately 80 square miles or less, stretching from Castroville to Aptos. So uh, approximately 32 confirmed breeding sites have been identified, with approximately 23 of these sites having confirmed or assumed breeding as of 2015. And that's from a document called the Amphibian Conservation Strategy. Uh, while the breeding habitat is incredibly important, unlike most other amphibians, this species spends about 95% of its life in upland habitats or underground or beneath leaf litter and forest mulch. So we also focus on protecting these, what we call summering areas. Uh, they're super crucial. Uh, we also place high value in protecting uh, what we call dispersal habitat or the open areas of grass or thin chaparral that salamanders travel through to get to their oversummering habitat in the forest understory. That's really cool. So how does a crossing potentially fit in this? Sure. The species habitat has been fragmented by the human built environment, principally highways and roads. 
Uh, so due to that fragmentation, the species has basically been split up into these five what we call meta populations, which are populations of the animal that basically don't get a chance to breed or interact with the other populations. So they're separated from each other by these highways and roads or other features. Ideally, we could have crossings underneath or above these highways, principally Highway 1, allowing individuals to cross between these metapopulations and therefore exchange their genetic material and increase biodiversity in the species and uh, make sure that their gene pool is uh, robust. Got it. Now, we've learned with the Highway 17 project that we need land protected on both sides of the freeway to make the crossing possible. Has the land trust taken steps yet to identify a location and protect land? Or, or is that still in the works? Yeah, similarly to the Highway 17 crossing, uh, we have identified the best locations for a crossing, uh, again, between uh, of Highway 1 between Watsonville and the Real Del Mar exit, approximately. We've identified three really great locations, uh, one of which has land conserved on either side of the highway. On the north side, the land trust purchased a property just last year, and on the south side of the property is quite a large California Department of Fish and Wildlife preserve. So that seems like the best location not just because of our ability to build a crossing there, but because the land has been conserved on both sides. The other two locations for crossings are perfectly viable. They just don't have conserved land on either side, but we are working on that. Fantastic. I, you know, I did a cursory look into what these types of crossings might be like, but I'm not a specialist. I just get to play one on a podcast. Um, (laughs) What exactly does a crossing for salamanders look like? Well, I'm not a specialist either, but I've looked at a lot of diagrams uh, and I've seen a couple examples. Um, There's uh, a crossing at the Seascape Highlands development that was built a few years ago where they built a trench underneath the road and then capped that trench with a metal grate that's perforated with holes. On either side of the road, there are these long uh, but fairly short walls that funnel the little salamanders up the hill and to the entrance of the tiny crossing. And this crossing, just so you can imagine, is about 18 inches wide and maybe 10 inches tall. (laughs) So it's a, a miniature version of the wildlife crossing that we built at Highway 17. Thank you so much for describing that with so much detail. I feel like I have an excellent mental uh, image now of, of what this crossing is going to um, take shape as. Um, I guess my, my follow-up question to that is, how do we go about tracking the success of a crossing like this? I mean, I love the idea of having a tiny wildlife cam uh, just for just for salamanders, but I'm sure there's probably a better way of, of tracking this. Often what, what we've seen is wildlife biologists will conduct a trapping study at these locations using the existing crossing as a trapping location. And they will trap individuals coming through the crossing on either side, and then they will do a concurrent trapping study at the breeding ponds to see 
whether that individual that they trapped at the crossing ends up at the breeding pond on the other side of the road. So that's how you can tell whether your crossing is successful if you're finding species that are successfully crossing from one side of a road and getting to their breeding pond. Gosh, I can't wait until this is under construction and we have our own pictures and and data to share. Um, So you're currently working as part of the land trust acquisition team, even though you've already worn a bunch of hats here in both our access and stewardship departments. So now with your acquisitions hat on, one question I have is, what helps motivate landowners to maybe work with us on protecting this land for salamander habitat? Sure. Um, due to certain zoning uh, and land use guidelines tuted at the local level, county level, or under state or federal law, a lot of these properties are difficult to develop. So there are development restrictions on them. Some people acquire properties not knowing that their property has development restrictions on it. They then uh, sometimes discover that through an application process to the county or to state and federal entities for the permits that they need to develop their land and realize that it's going to be quite difficult to do. The land trust can then become a partner with these private landowners um, and help identify state or federal funding that can acquire the property for conservation uh, while offering them fair market value for their land, which another private individual or organization that is looking at that land might not be willing to pay. So that is a really cool meeting of needs. And I think it's so great um, when things can align like this. Okay, so taking a step back, though, one question I have is now with your stewardship hat on, What goes into stewarding or restoring these protected properties to create the best habitat for long-toed salamanders? Yeah, uh, a a lot of these properties are actually in pretty good shape, the ones that we're looking at. They've got intact uh, or well-passively restored oak woodland on them. Some of them we've discovered were orchards as recently as 50 years ago, completely cleared and planted in rows of fruit trees, uh, and now look like a wild oak forest with a healthy understory. So they have restored themselves in a lot of ways, some of these properties. We would do more passive restoration on them. Uh, One active restoration practice that we would consider using is actually building breeding ponds for the species. So a lot of their breeding ponds have been filled or have been stocked with non-native fish, uh, which prey on them. Uh, So we could build new breeding ponds for them um, to help their breeding activities. Has the land trust done things like this in the past? We have done a lot of wetland restoration uh, at Watsonville Slough Farm. Uh, We, over the last six years, have been restoring a 20-25 acre site that we call the Bryant-Habert Preserve or the Bryant-Habert Restoration Project. And we've dug ponds, breeding ponds for the benefit of California red-legged frogs, uh, another endangered listed species uh, that we help with recovery efforts uh, in the Santa Cruz area. So it sounds like we've got some experience there. That's great. Um, 
I know you can't give details on the properties we're currently in negotiation with, but I'm hoping you can speak generally about the region we're looking at. Um, and you touched on this a bit earlier, but how many properties in total are we working to protect and, and what type of impact will protecting them have? Sure. Uh, there are uh, a lot of properties that could be great conservation projects for the species. Our grant identifies nine properties, uh, roughly in that area between the Rio Del Mar exit and Watsonville. Um, that we can use these grant funds to acquire. We believe that uh, even conserving properties as small as two acres, uh, as long as they provide a refuge for this species uh, in, in the upland, is super valuable. So, <laughs> so if you're wondering about what's going on right now with this project, uh, the priorities that we have prioritized in our grant as number two and number three uh, are currently under contract okay. between the land trusts and uh, the property owners for purchase. So these two properties, they happen to be right next to each other uh, in the Larkin Valley area. And together, they're about 14 acres of mostly upland and some dispersal habitat. Uh, there's a potential pond location on one of the properties, so we could consider building a new breeding pond on one of these properties. And they're also both adjacent to a conservation easement. So we're expanding another conservation easement on another adjacent property uh, that basically we're providing uh, extended conserved habitat. So we're kind of building on an already established block of conserved Santa Cruz long-toed salamander habitat. They're also just a few hundred feet from the northern branch of the Ellicott Slough Ecological Reserve, which is a Santa Cruz long-toed salamander preserve owned by U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Um, now, is that part of the land trust's overall strategy to just to build out and augment areas that have already been preserved? We're, uh, so the area, like I was saying earlier, is quite fragmented already. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if, if we can build on these little blocks of conserved land, um, then there's a better chance that we're conserving high-quality habitat altogether, and that can become the upland summering habitat of these little populations of Santa Cruz long-toed salamander that they return to year after year. That totally makes sense. Well, Brendan, as we wrap up, what is one thing that you wish uh, people knew about the Santa Cruz long-toed salamander? And I guess it'd be fun to know, what about the species do you find to be most special? Yeah, uh, well, one fun fact that I'll just share, uh, the answer to your first question, is uh, the species-specific epithet, or its scientific name, is Ambistoma macrodactylum crocium. And macrodactylum means, predictably, long-fingered, and crocium is Latin for golden or yellow. And the species has these beautiful little dots along its back that are gold or yellow-colored. Um, in answer to your follow-up question, what about the species do I find most special? Um, I just think that they're, they've been through so much over the last 60 years, and uh, they could have winked out. We could have lost them. And it, they speak to me because they have been resilient enough 
over the last 60 years of us fragmenting their fairly small range. And I think we're, we're catching them at this moment when we could actually bring them back and take them off of the endangered species list. I, I think there's a real possibility for that. And I'm really excited about the land trust opportunity to join in that project. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Brendan, for sharing this presentation and wonderful information. If folks have questions about this topic, who on the Land Trust team can they reach out to? Yeah, please reach out to me, um, Brendan Quirk, brendan.quirk at landtrustsantacruz.org or call the Land Trust office. You're welcome to reach out with questions anytime. Uh, I can also forward you on to our stewardship team uh, who, if I can't answer your question, I'm sure that they'd be able to answer it. Thanks again, Brendan, for joining us today. And thank you, Land Trust listeners and viewers for tuning in. As always, our Land Trust supporters are the heart behind what we do. And thanks to your support, we're protecting and reviving endangered species, conserving open space as well as local farm and ranch land, and building new trails to connect our community to nature. We're so excited to have partners like you in this work. If you have any questions about the Santa Cruz long-toed salamander or about the Land Trust endangered species work, you can reach out to Brendan directly. His email is brendan.quirk at landtrustsantacruz.org. That's B-R-E-N-D-A-N dot Q-U-I-R-K at landtrustsantacruz.org. Thanks again, listeners. And until next time, happy trails. <laughs>